Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. We want to show you just how wonderful Jesus really is. Please find in Acts chapter 10, if you will please, verse 38. Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the wonderful name of Jesus. Bless the holy name of Jesus. Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. Our precious Father, it's with great reverence we approach your word, thanking you for the anointing of your spirit. I thank you for the word as it goes forth in demonstration of the spirit and power. It shall produce faith in the lives and hearts of men. And I thank you, dear Father God, it will cause us to be a living epistle of the living Christ, known and read of all men. And I thank you that in Jesus' name we're being transformed and transfigured from faith to faith into him that liveth forever and ever. We bless you now in Jesus' name as we channel ourselves to receive from your word. Amen and amen. Peter was speaking to the house of Cornelius and he was reminiscing, talking about Jesus. If you recall, Cornelius was praying unto the Lord although he was not as of yet converted. And the Lord sent an angel unto him, who appeared unto him and said, Go down and send for Peter. He'll come and tell thee words whereby thy house, and you'll be saved. And when Peter came on down, he began to expound on Jesus. And in verse 10, or verse 38 of chapter 10, he said how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. This evening is our healing meeting. Jesus is the healer. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Peter said he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. We'll entitle our message, Wonderful Jesus. And then in verse 39, he says, And we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Well, Peter was an eyewitness, sent to the house of Cornelius, told all about what Jesus began to do, how he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Now, if you will, please find Matthew chapter 8. And I want to show you that Peter was definitely an eyewitness. And Matthew recorded many things that took place under the ministry of Jesus when he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. If we are to maintain healing in our lives and our bodies and an atmosphere of healing within our midst, then we need to take a good look at the healer. It's been too often said in the body of Christ that God will only heal if he wants to. 
And that kind of determination only becomes, really it only comes through the lack of understanding of God's Word. If we were to study to show ourselves to be approved unto God, then we would know for sure that it's God's will that each and every one of His children remain in divine health and healing and divine life until they leave their bodies to go off to be with Jesus. In the 8th chapter, if you were just read verse 1, it says, When He was come down from the mountain, great multitudes follow Him. Well, that wouldn't be enough. I don't believe that would be enough to really set the scene. There were always great multitudes following Jesus. But you see, you've got to go back and get a good look at our wonderful Savior. You've got to go back and get a good look at His dedication and consecration to fulfill the will of His Father. In the third chapter of Matthew's Gospel, when Jesus came to Jordan to be baptized of John, He says, it's necessary that I and all of us fulfill all righteousness. You recall after He was born, He was dedicated. Then about 12 years old, He was in the temple. His parents left, and He stayed behind. They came back looking for Him. He says, I was about my father's business, but He was obedient to His parents as a youth growing up. And then at the age of 29, 30, we see Him coming to John to be baptized in the River Jordan, saying, I have to fulfill all righteousness. There's not one recorded miracle. There's not one recorded act of healing. There isn't any working of the Spirit of God. There isn't any demonstration of the power of the miraculous in the life of Jesus Christ up until this point. Yet, He's as holy as could be. He's the Son of God, the Son of Man, walking around in the flesh, growing in stature, wisdom and understanding, doing the will of the Father, constantly in the synagogue, around the elders, around the rulers, discussing the Scriptures with them. But yet, not one miracle took place in the synagogue. There wasn't one miracle that took place in His life up until this point. At the age of 30, he's baptized in the river Jordan. Comes up out of the water and the heavens are open. The Spirit of God lights upon him like a dove. And all of a sudden, a voice comes out of heaven and says, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Immediately, the devil comes. He's driven out into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Fasting 40 days and 40 nights. Satan throwing all things his way, temptations his way in all three realms, spirit, soul, and body. Jesus speaking the word unto the devil. Notice none of this happened before the Spirit of God came on him. Although he's still the Son of God, the Immaculate Son of God. Not one miracle in the synagogue, not one miracle in the temple. Yet he's still the Immaculate Son of God up until this point. After his temptation, angels came and ministered unto him because he was hungry and weakened. Although he did stand against the wiles of the devil. Then he came back in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And the Bible says he went into all their cities, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and disease among the people. Notice, before he was baptized in the Holy Ghost, received the Holy Ghost, not one miracle. Now the Spirit of God comes on him. God speaks from heaven. The Father speaks unto him and says, That's my beloved Son. I'm well pleased in him. The devil tempts him. Angels minister to him. He comes in the power of the Spirit. 
how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. And now he enters into the same cities, into the same villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people, insomuch that a great his fame went throughout all, you know, all abroad. And they brought unto him those that were tormented, those that had diseases, those that were lunatic, those that were possessed with devils, those that had the palsy, and he healed them. And after he healed them, see, Peter's thinking about all this. After he healed them, then he went up on that mountain. And he gave the Sermon on the Mount. Talking about the kingdom of God. Establishing the underlying principles upon which his kingdom or government would be founded. The government of his kingdom would be based or founded. In those beautiful scriptures... He tells any individual how you can have power with God. Blessed are the poor in spirit. They're going to see the kingdom of God. It's theirs. And etc. Then he comes down from the mountain. After giving this beautiful message. This beautiful sermon. And I mean to tell you, all the multitude of people came because they saw the miracles which he did. But he didn't do any of that before he was baptized in the Holy Ghost. Now, all of a sudden, he gives this beautiful sermon, comes down from the mountain. As soon as he comes down from the mountain, great multitudes follow him. Verse 1. What a beautiful Savior. Great multitudes follow him when he came down from the mountain. And verse 2. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Jesus put forth his hand and touched him. Beloved, I want you to know, I want you to see the compassion of the Lord. In Mark's Gospel 140, it talks about Jesus had compassion on him. He's got multitudes out here. He just preached a glorious sermon. He's got followers, multitudes. You ever see a leper around a multitude? The multitude kind of diminishes when a leper comes around a multitude. And I'm sure they stood back. But this fella laid upon the ground, said, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Jesus could have said, be healed. But, beloved, I want to show you our wonderful Lord. He didn't say be healed. He, he was instrumental in healing some other lepers that way. He told the ten lepers, go and show yourself unto the priest. But I want you to see the compassion of our Lord. He was so moved with compassion when he came down from that mountain, that he got his hand. Would you touch a leper? And he stretched it forth with compassion and said, I will, and touched him. Be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed, the Bible says. And as you go on reading, the Bible says, Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, tell no man, but offer up the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. And then he entered into Capernaum. And there came a centurion unto him, beseeching him. 
saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. I want to show you how wonderful Jesus is. He said, I will come and heal him. Everybody say, I will. The leper says, I know you could. I don't know if you will. Jesus said, what? The centurion said, my servant lieth home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. Jesus said, he's a busy man. He says, I will come and heal him. The centurion said, not so, Lord. I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. Speak but the word only, my servant will be healed. From a man under authority, having soldiers under me, I say to this man, go and he goeth. And this one come and he cometh, and to my servant do this, and he doeth it. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled and turned and said unto them and followed him, I have not found so great faith, no, not in all of Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and the west and sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast into outer darkness, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And he saith unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And then, I could just see this going through the mind of Peter. And then, he entered into Peter's house, and he saw his wife's mother, his mother-in-law, sick, laid of a fever. Jesus walks in and takes her hand. Touches her. And she rises up. Ministers unto them. Whose house are they in? Whose house are they in? Whose? Peter's house. Peter's house. And that evening, the Bible says in the next verse, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devil. There was a multitude around them. There was a multitude around them. They were thronging him. Not for 29 years, though. But all of a sudden, they're thronging him. A multitude. Many possessed with devils. At Peter's house. If anybody would know, Peter should know. He says how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and power. Who went about doing good and healing all. Everybody say all. That were oppressed of the devil. For God was with them. This was at Peter's house. Might have been your house if you was living back then, but it was Peter's house. They brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and the Bible says he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all. Everybody say all. That were sick. Verse 17 says that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. What a wonderful Jesus. Multitudes. Many that were possessed with devils. Multitudes, all that were sick. It didn't matter if he was a leper. It didn't matter if he was a Roman centurion with your servant lying homesick of the palsy. It didn't matter if he was Peter's mother-in-law. Someone says if he can heal Peter's mother-in-law, he can heal anybody. I don't know. I didn't know her. I didn't say that. I said somebody said that. And it didn't matter if he was one of all that was possessed of a devil or sick. He healed them all. What a wonderful Jesus. Everybody say, what a wonderful Jesus. And you think that would be enough? 
See, the Bible says this is one day's work. That was the evening. The Bible says if all that he did was written in detail, that the whole world couldn't contain the books that should be written about what he did. Peter's just given us, you know, one night. One day and one night, walking with the Master. Glory to God. Start out his day getting baptized, spending 40 days in the wilderness, rebuking the devil, angels ministering to him, power God on him, ministering in Galilee, getting many healed and delivered and set free, preaching sermon on the mount, healing a leper, healing the centurion's son, healing Peter's mother-in-law, healing all that were possessed of devils and all that were sick. And then he gets in a boat and says, let us go to the other side. And halfway over to the other side, a storm arises. They're afraid Jesus is asleep. He rises up and rebukes the wind and the sea. And they say, what a matter of man is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. Peter's given a first-hand eyewitness testimony of the wonderful Jesus. The wind stops, the seas calm, Jesus gets to the other side, gets out of the boat, and who meets him? Two, possessed of devils. So fierce that no man dared walk by that way. They come and bow down unto Jesus and say, How art thou come here to torment us before the time? If you're going to cast us out, let us go into the swine. He said, Go ahead. The swine ran down and, of course, they drowned themselves. Then he came back over onto the other side to Capernaum. And they brought unto him one born of four, taken with the palsy. He said, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. They argued about that. They murmured about that in their heart. Who could forgive sins? He says, Well, that you may know that the Son of Man had power on earth to forgive sins. What's is easier to say? Thy sins be forgiven thee, or arise, take up your bed and walk. And so that you may know that I have that power, arise, take up your bed and walk. He did. They marveled. They were astounded. And then if you go and read any further, you find out that Jairus came unto him and says, Oh, Lord, a ruler of the synagogue. You may be a ruler of the synagogue. And says, Lord, you've got to come and help. My daughter's at the point of death. Jesus said, I'm coming. Wonderful Jesus. Not too busy. Only got to minister to multitudes. And so he starts on his way. And in the process, some woman comes and touches the hem of his garment with an issue of blood, and Jesus stops the procession and turns around and says, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace, and behold of thy plague. Didn't seem like to me it mattered who came to touch Jesus, did it? To you? Doesn't say anything about being God's will. Says everybody that touched him was what? Was healed. You think he forgot about Jairus' daughter? No. Someone came with testimony and says, forget it, forget it, forget it. She's dead. Don't trouble the master any longer. Jesus said, fear not, Jairus, only believe. You know, he told that to Martha and Mary. If you would believe, you'd see the glory of God. Only believe. And he went and saw the, saw the people making much ado because they thought she was dead. Well, they knew she was dead. They were all mourning inside the house and out around inside the house. And Jesus walks into the midst of them and he says, Why make ye this ado? The damsel's not dead, she sleepeth. And he laughed him to scorn. Put everybody out of the house. Said to her, Talitha kumai. 
What's being interpreted is, Damsel, I see unto thee arise. Give her something to eat. What a wonderful Jesus. What a beautiful Jesus. Amen? Then he walks off from that place and he begins to take another walk. Imagine walking with the master. And two men followed him from that house. Said, hey, Joe, do you see what I saw? No, I'm blind. Let's go get him. And they followed him. Cried out unto him, saying, Lord, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. What is it you'd have me to do unto you? That I may receive my sight? Believe ye that I'm able to do this? Yea, Lord. According unto your faith, so be it done unto you. And they received their sight. And they brought unto him, then one was dumb. And he cast out the spirit, and he that was dumb spoke. And then he entered into their cities and into their villages, 935, Matthew 935, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every manner of sickness and every manner of disease among the people. Matthew 9:35 and 36. And then he lifted up his eyes, being moved with compassion when he saw the multitudes, and said, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray to the Lord that he may send forth laborers into his harvest. And in chapter 10 and verse 1, he called his disciples unto him, and he gave them power or authority to cast out devils and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. You compare that with Luke's gospel. When Jesus gave power to the disciples, the 70, to go forth and to heal the sick, cast out devils, the Bible says that they returned, and when they came, they said unto him, Master, even the devils are subject unto us in your name. I gave you a picture of Jesus, a small picture, a beautiful picture of our wonderful Savior. But I want you to see something else. He has given us the power of His name. Although He's gone, He didn't leave us orphans. He anointed those, He said, for them to go forth in My name. In other words, in My stead or in My person. And in My name, the devils are subject unto you. Preach the gospel and heal the sick. And Jesus says, I beheld lightning, or Satan is lightning, come out of heaven. And behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power. Everybody say all. The power of the enemy. And nothing's going to hurt you. But he said, don't rejoice that the devils are subject unto you through my name, but rejoice that your name is recorded in heaven. Now, if you would, please, I'd like you to turn to Acts chapter 3. 
you got somewhat of a picture of wonderful Jesus. Now I want you to get a picture of His wonderful name. In the third chapter, we see Peter again. Of the book of Acts. Beginning at verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to enter into the temple, asked in alms. Peter, fasting his eyes on him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something from them. Money. But Peter said, Silver and gold have I none. My wife has the checkbook. Oh, that's not in there. I'm sorry. Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I thee. In the name. Everybody say, in the name. Of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaping up stood and walked with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Someone says, well, that must have been God's will. It didn't say that. If you want to know how God healed, you have to read verse 16. Verse 16 says, when Peter was questioned about the healing, his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong whom you see and know, the faith which is by him hath given this man this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Everybody say, it was the name. By faith in the name. Well, let me ask you this question. Is the name for us today? Let's forget about healing, tongues, devils, demons, serpents. Is the name for today? Is it? If the name is for today, then everything that is connected with the name, obviously, must still be with the name. Now, someone says, well, brother, can you prove that the name is for today? Well, you're in the third chapter, going to the fourth chapter, verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. But whose name? Whose name? Whose name? Well, then, is the name for today? Well, the name is for today, or nobody's saved. And if we're not saved, what are we doing here? But if the name is for today, and obviously it must be, and you must agree, or you're not saved. Because there isn't salvation in any other. How many of you are baptized in the name of Jesus? Well, the name is for today. Now listen. Jesus said, someone says, is casting out devils for today. Jesus said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature... 
He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall or shall they cast out. Is the name for today? Well, if the name is for today, if the name casts out devils, and I don't think devils have ceased to exist. I know they're still around. Well, then the name will cast out devils. But it's faith in the name that casts out devils. His name through faith in his name. You can't have faith except faith cometh by. You'd be surprised how many don't preach and teach on the name of Jesus. And I'll tell you why in a minute. But Jesus said in connection with his name, also in my name shall you cast out devils. They shall speak with. Beloved, I didn't write that in there. Someone says, I don't know the tongues are for today. Jesus just answered the question. It's not whether tongues is for today. It's whether the name is for today. And if the name is for today, every believer that believeth in my name, they shall cast out devils and they shall. Simple. I didn't have to get an education to learn that either. I just read what he said. Nobody told me I couldn't and did. Then I went to someone who was educated and they said, it's not for today. I said, you're too late. I already slipped in. Well, I'm not preaching on that tonight. Next one is, they shall take up serpents. The Apostle Paul was on the Isle of Melita. And a serpent came out and got a hold of him. A venomous viper. And they said he should have died. But he shook it off in the name of Jesus. And literally, not playing with serpents. Not foolishly playing with serpents. But if you're out there ministering the gospel and you happen to get bit by one, bless God, fear not. In my name shall they shake off demons, serpents. They shall drink any little thing. It will not hurt them. Not, in, not doing it foolishly, but in ignorance. Someone could try to poison you. As a matter of fact, that reminds me of this group that was preaching down in a, another country. And this fellow was preaching like I'm preaching here tonight about the name of Jesus and the power that's in that name. And someone says, okay. They got a bunch of people to put some poison in their food. Gave it to them. Stomach started to cramp up. And one of the brethren says, hold on here. God just spoke to my heart and said that they tried to poison us. Let's claim immunity in the name of Jesus. And they were all healed. Just like that. They took the food sample down to um, be checked out. And they says, there's enough poison in here to kill a, an army of men. But they walked free. In the, through faith in the name of Jesus. And then lastly, he said, they shall lay their hands on the sick in my name. See, in my stead, in my person. In other words, I don't have physical hands in the earth any longer. Will you consecrate yourself to me and yield yourself to me that I may use your hands? Everybody look at your hands. Jesus said, I want to use them by touching them. You know when you touch your husband or touch your wife, it means I love you. You know why Jesus touched that leper? He didn't just want to say it and be so impersonal. He says, I will. 
compassion drove him to do it. He couldn't help but to touch him. He didn't just heal to prove he was the Son of God, beloved. He healed because he was moved with compassion. He healed because it's his heart's desire to alleviate human suffering from the physical body by the power of God. He said, Ought not this woman whom Satan hath bound low these eighteen years be loose of this infirmity on the Sabbath day? And he healed her by touching her. See, beloved, this name represents the person. And you can't use that name and lay your hands unless you know the person. And when you see the person, when you see the overwhelming love, when you see the resurrected Christ, who now has all power and all authority, when you see the compassionate Savior, when you see Him that's full of mercy, when you see your high priest who's passing to the heavens, who can be touched with the feeling of your infirmity and of their infirmity, and you see, you know, human degradation, you see people that are being destroyed by the ravages of sin and by the powers of darkness, and it drives you to humble yourself before God until it's no longer you that liveth, but Christ liveth in you. It'll drive you to your knees until you say, Lord, I don't have enough. I don't have enough. I don't have enough of you inside me to lay hands on the sick yet. I don't have enough. I want more of you. I want your compassion. I want your love. I want your mercy. And you get so full of the compassion of, of your Savior. I want you to know that that hand, bless God, will become full of the power of the resurrected one. And you'll lay your hand on that sick one and they'll recover in the name of Jesus through faith in His name. In Acts the 8th chapter, verse 5, it says, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them and all the people with one accord. I'll wait till you get there. Acts chapter 8, verse 5. Now Philip went down to the city of Samaria to preach Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Front clean spirits crying with loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them. And they that were taken with the palsy and that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Sounds like Jesus visited that city, doesn't it? Just what he did in Galilee, Capernaum, all the cities round about Jerusalem. Well, this Philip caught a hold of the name of Jesus. You say, how do you know? Verse 12 tells you. Verse 12. But when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the, everybody say it with me, name of Jesus. Say it again. Name of Jesus. What did Philip preach? That's what brought the miracles. See, that's, they believed his preaching on that. Why? Because he said, in the name of Jesus, devils, you've got to go. An unclean spirit crying with loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them. And those that were lame and taken with the palsy, they were healed. What did he preach? There's power in the name. There's glory in the name. There's dominion in the name. There's might in that name. All I want us to have instilled with this within us a sense of the beauty of that name, the glory of that name, the wonderful, wonderful name of Jesus that's ours. See, beloved, 
the devil tried to work through them Judaizers way back when to tell Peter, to tell John, to tell Philip, to tell the disciples, don't preach and don't teach the name of Jesus. Go back to Acts chapter 4. They got a hold of Peter and John. They cast him into prison. Took him in to find out what was going on. Got before the high priest and the rulers. And in verse 8 it says, Peter was filled with the Holy Ghost and said unto them, You rulers of the people and elders of Israel, If we this day be examined for the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel, that by the name, everybody say the name, by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, who God raised up from the dead, even by him does this man stand before you whole. Neither is there salvation in any other, verse 12 says, for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. This word Savior, he's talking about that guy that got healed. That guy got healed or saved in the name of Jesus. And there's no other name under heaven whereby anybody's going to get it. And then look at the next verse. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. Oh, glory. Thank you, Father. For unlearned and ignorant men who believe in the name and the power of the resurrected Christ. I'll take the name above education any day, beloved. He chose the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Hallelujah. Simple belief in the name, faith in the name will cause a man who was lame from his mother's womb would never walk to rise up and walk in Jesus' mighty name. I'll take the faith in the name above education any day of the week. How about you? And, and they saw that they were ignorant men. They marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with. Oh, they saw him. They were eyewitnesses. They saw the person. They walked with him. They supped with him. They went everywhere he went. They walked with the master. No wonder they had faith in that name because they knew that all that he did, all that he accomplished, all that he wrought by the power of the Holy Ghost was now vested in his name. And he said, go ye in my name and do all that I said to do and do all that I did in my name. And oh, beloved, they just, they were a house on fire. You have to excuse me. I get excited here sometimes. Bless God. Oh, in, in verse 15. Well, no, verse 14. And beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For indeed a notable miracle was done by them as manifest to all that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But that it spread no further. And here's the reason why there's not too many preaching the name of Jesus. But that it spread no further. Verse 17 says, Among the people, let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. Don't tell anybody about this name. Don't tell anybody about the name of Jesus. Go ahead and just preach your doctrine if you want to, but don't talk about the name. I love the boldness of Peter and John. Verse 18 says, They called them and commanded them not to speak or teach at all or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more unto God, judge ye. We cannot speak but the things which we've seen and heard. So when they further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them. 
because the people, because of the people, for all men glorified God for that which was done. For the man was about 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing was showed. Now, when Peter and John were let go, they went under their own company. And they told them all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. They said, Lord, Thou art God that made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that in them is. Who by the mouth of Thy servant David said, Why did the heathen rage? Why did the people of imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up. The rulers of the earth stood up. The kings. And they were gathered together against Thy holy child Jesus, whom Thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, and the people of Israel. The Gentiles, for what purpose? For to do whatsoever thy hand and counsel determined before to be done. But they went on to say, but now, Lord, but now, Lord, but now, Lord, behold their threatenings. They told us don't preach in this name anymore. They told us don't utter that name anymore. But now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness we may speak thy word. By stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be wrought by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken when they was assembled together, and they all was filled with the Holy Ghost and spake the Word of God with boldness. You ever pray that kind of prayer? That the whole place is shaken when they was assembled together? Glory be to God. What did they pray? Stretch forth thine hand to heal. That signs and wonders may be wrought by how? By the name of the Holy Child Jesus. It shook the foundation of the place. And they began to go on and herald that name, beloved, in such a way that it wrought such mighty miracles that even by the shadow of Peter in chapter 5, it says, multitudes were healed as they laid them in beds and cots on the street. Hallelujah. And someone says, are you sure it's God's will to heal? I don't know where they ever got that idea. They didn't read the Bible, obviously. Can you see that? Only thing that's left to show, beloved, is one more thing. Do we have right to use that name? Do we have a right to use that name? What did Jesus say about us using His name? John sixteen twenty three and 24 said, At that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, He will give it you. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. John fourteen fourteen says, Now listen. If you ask or demand anything that is your right and privilege in my name... I will do it. Matthew 18:20 says, "In my name there am I." For where two or three of you agree together as touching anything they shall ask, it shall be given them by my Father which is in heaven. Why? Because wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I. When you say Jesus, you say compassionate one. 
You say the one that healed the palsied, the lunatic, the leper, the issue of blood, the palsy, the centurion's son, the blind, the deaf, the halt. And there's one more class of people, beloved, I believe we're going to see more of, we're going to hear more of. He healed the maimed. In Matthew chapter 15, it says they brought unto him, look at verse 29 and 30. I want you to see this compassionate one. I want you to marvel at what he has done. You look at it for yourself. And Jesus departed from thence and came nigh unto the Sea of Galilee and went up into a mountain and sat down there. And great multitudes came unto him in verse 30, having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, and maimed, and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet. And he healed them, insomuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb to speak, the maimed to be whole. The maimed to be whole. Maimed means there were parts of their bodies that were missing. They were missing certain limbs. But the maimed were made whole. And the lame to walk and the blind to see, and they glorified the God of Israel. And the thing that moves me, beloved, in the next couple of verses, after Jesus got done healing all of them, and they were all delivered and set free, He had compassion on them because they had enough to eat. They spent three days with Him under His ministry after He healed them. And He says, I can't send them away fasting. They're going to faint in the way. So, see, the miracle of multiplying the loaves and the fishes was because they were sitting at the feet of Jesus. And they desired the bread of life more than they desired the physical bread. And Jesus was moved again with compassion. I shared with you just last week about, and I'll say it again tonight because I believe it bears repetition, how Brothers Wigglesworth was ministering to this individual that had no legs. And said to him, go buy yourself some shoes in the morning. He had wooden stumps for legs. Way back when, we didn't have the sophisticated, you know, equipment that we have today. And he goes down, he couldn't go to sleep that night. God spoke to him and said, do what my servant said. He thought it was joking at first. But he couldn't sleep that night. He got down to the downtown. He went down to the shoe store a lot faster than the fellow who opened up the store was waiting for him. He opened up that door. He went inside, sat down. He sent one of his, you know, employees to, to go wait on him. He says, I want a pair of shoes. The fellow says, what size? And what color? He wasn't used to that question, so he just stood there with his mouth open. And the fellow looked and saw the condition of the fellow. And he says, we can't help you here. He says, oh, it's okay. Don't feel bad about it. Just give me a size 8, color black. He brought him a size 8 color black. He got one shoe, put it over one stump, and instantly a leg and foot formed right there. Can you imagine being that shoe salesman? He put on the other one and the other shoe, in that other shoe over top of the stump, and another leg and foot formed right before his eyes. I, if I could reminisce, I bet you that fellow got saved, filled with the Holy Ghost right there, speaking in other tongues right there in the shoe store. Just like Philip, when that e, the Enoch, when, when, the, when the power of God came and took him away, someone says, the Enoch wasn't baptized in the Holy Ghost. Yes, he was. When he saw that, he says, Oh, ho, he said, 
Oh, glory be to God. I know the Holy Ghost came on him right there. Since we're talking about the Holy Ghost, there's only two incidents in the Bible, really, that you could use to, to prove that the Holy Ghost brings tongues. Because you see, beloved, that guy got a pair of shoes and the shoes, the tongue went with the shoe. And when you get the Holy Ghost, the tongue goes with the Holy Ghost. There's only two class of people in the world at that time. The Holy Ghost was outpoured. Two ethnic groups, the Jew and the Gentile, correct? If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. If you're not a Gentile, you're a Jew. So there's only two incidents in the Bible where the Jew and the Gentile received the Holy Ghost from the beginning by God instituting it or initiating it. First to the Jew. The gospel is the power of God unto who? First, the Jew. And on the day of Pentecost, he visited the Jews with the Holy Ghost, and there was cloven tongues like as a fire set upon each of them, and they was all filled with the Holy Ghost, and all the Jews did what? Spoke with other tongues as who gave utterance? The Holy Ghost. So the Jews received the Holy Ghost. No longer were they Jews. They were children of God. The house of God was formed. Then they came over to Cornelius' house. Peter was talking about Jesus' healing ministry. And as he was continuing, probably elaborating about the healing ministry of Jesus, the power of God came on the who? Gentiles. The Gentiles is the other group of people. So there's only two groups of people. The Jew, the Gentile. And once they get saved, they're no longer Jew or Gentile. They're what? The body of Christ. So the Jew got filled with the Holy Ghost, spoke with other tongues. And when the Gentile, right in front of Peter and all of his bunch, the Holy Ghost came on them... Just as they did the Jew in the beginning, the, no man had any part of it. God did it, and they was all filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues and magnified God. Now, any other incident in the Bible is only an offspring of those two incidents. Do you see that? The Jew and the Gentile, once they get saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, they become the body of Christ. And that's the two incidents where they got filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues in every instance. It's for the Jew and for the Gentile. So in my name you shall do what? Speak with new tongues. So, beloved, it's not a question as to whether or not healing is for today, tongues is for today, casting out devils is for today, taking up serpents and all that. It's not a question, you know, if that's for us. The question is, is the name for us? Now, let's find one more scripture here. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. Jesus said, in my name, go. In the epistles that are written to the church. Will everybody agree with me that the epistles are written to the church? Is everybody here born again? Child of God? In verse 17. Well, let's start with verse 16 first. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts unto the Lord. You believe that? Everybody believe that? How about verse 17? And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all... Everybody say it with me. In the name... You know, I speak in tongues in the name of Jesus. I lay hands on the sick in the name of Jesus. Ladies, it would do you good to do your housework in the name of Jesus. 
I mow the lawn in the name of Jesus. I drive my car in the name of Jesus. I study my Bible in the name of Jesus. I witness in the name of Jesus. All that I do in word and deed, I do all in the name of Jesus. So obviously the name of Jesus is for us today. All that you do in word or deed, do all in the name of Jesus. Now listen. God gave him a name that's above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of things or beings in heaven. Of things or beings in... Where do you live? You live in the earth? Every knee shall bow of things or beings in heaven. Things or beings in earth. Things or beings underneath the earth. Every knee shall bow. God gave him a name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee, at the name of Jesus, at the name. Who's in the earth? We are. Who has the use of the name? We do. What will devils bow to? Who speaks the name of Jesus? Must they bow? Must demons flee? Must disease Die, dissipate, disappear. In whose name? Must all the underworld obey and bow their knee to the name? Whose name? Whose name? Who's it belong to? Jesus' name is just as wonderful as Jesus. And the power in that name is as powerful as Jesus. The authority of that name is all authority. And it's recorded in all three worlds that he received a name, obtained a more excellent name than any angel. And that name is honored in heaven. It must be honored in the earth. And you know it shakes the kingdom of the damned. And that name belongs to us. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.